Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the virtual newsroom in Levittown, this is Hot Couple. I'm J.D. Mullane, columnist for Bucks County Courier Times. And I'm Phil John Ficaro, columnist for The Intelligencer. Our headline today, a monster lottery ticket sold in Levittown remains unclaimed. On May, May 21st, 2021 was a Friday and a payday for a lot of people. On that day, someone walked into the 7-Eleven on Trenton Road in Levittown and got paid more than they ever dreamed. They purchased a Pennsylvania lottery ticket worth, are you ready for this, $516 million. But so far, two and a half weeks later, the winner has not stepped forward. It's really the stuff of dreams, a half a billion bucks. You can quit work, go golfing or fishing or travel anywhere you want. Life becomes an endless summer. Or does it? Changes will come, not always good ones. Our guest will give us insight into the highs and lows of such sudden wealth, and especially how to navigate this treacherous financial terrain. He's Robert Pagliarini, a financial advisor in Irvine, California, and the author of The Sudden Wealth Solution on how anyone who comes into the chips can keep those chips and their sanity too. Robert Welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. So the first uh, big change coming to our half billion dollar winner in Levittown or Fairless Hills, wherever they are. What is the biggest change that they're not expecting, Robert? Well, I think you summed it up really nicely when you said that this is the stuff of dreams. Uh, every time we throw down two dollars and we play the lottery, where does our mind go? Well, what if we won? And we start thinking about all of the things that we would buy, all the places we would travel to, just how our lives would be improved. And most of us, it ends there. Of course, we don't, we don't win. But for this one lucky person, uh, their dream is continuing. And what I always tell sudden wealth recipients is that there are these two emotions that come almost simultaneously. The first is to be expected, and that is joy, this, this ecstatic feeling of, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've won this. My life is gonna be amazing. I'm gonna buy anything I want. I get to walk in on Monday and quit if I want to. And so our mind definitely goes to all of the positives. But then immediately following that, we have another emotion. And that other emotion is this feeling of worry, sometimes even dread of, oh my gosh, I just won. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never managed $200 million, $500 million before. What if I screw this up? How is this going to change my relationships? Um, and so there are these two conflicting feelings that almost every sudden wealth recipient experiences. And 
it's a it's a balancing act. You can vacillate from one side of the spectrum to the other very, very quickly. And it's this period where this person, this individual, they haven't even claimed the prize yet. And so you can only imagine what they're thinking at this point. Robert. So later this year, you know, when I claim my $300 million lotto prize and uh, you know, shortly after I get out of ICU, because I'm going to have a heart attack if that happens. Yeah. And I call you and I say, Robert, help, you know, be my guide. Give me the steps. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. The very first thing is. Yeah. Take a really deep breath. Because there are a lot of things happening in your brain, in your mind. And the first thing that you can do that's going to help you is to just try to calm down, try to relax. Because no good decisions, financial or otherwise, were ever made when someone's chemistry, when someone's emotions get the best of them. So the very first thing is to just say, okay, I've got this. And in, in the book, the very first step is take control. And what that doesn't mean is, okay, I've won. I need to know all the answers because of course, you're not going to know all of the, the, the tax answers, all of the financial answers, all of the legal issues that may come up as a result of this win. That's not what take control is really meant to be. Take control is to have the mindset that, okay, I've not experienced this before, but I know that I can handle it. It's on me to find the best people. And when I, when I talk about building your financial team, which should include some sort of attorney, uh, a tax expert, and also a financial expert, that doesn't mean that you just let them make all of your decisions for you. Take control means that you're going to be part of the process. That again, you're not going to have all the answers, but you're going to ask the questions, you're gonna to try to understand, and that you ultimately realize that the responsibility is yours. And so for some people, it's kind of a double-edged sword. They don't, they don't necessarily want the responsibility, but I've seen too many times what can happen when someone doesn't take that responsibility on, when they try to outsource it, when they try to get other people to, to make the decisions for them, it usually doesn't end well. And so the very first thing is relax and to understand with some help that you've got this. You know, uh, the singer Tony Braxton has sold over 70 million albums, but she also filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy, claiming 50 million in debt that she couldn't pay. But why does that happen to people who become suddenly wealthy? That's a really good question. And I think I, I just touched on it. I think that's part of the reason where people can get into some trouble is where those those two emotions the joy and then the fear uh the fear gets the best of them and so they rely on other people to start making decisions for them and that's when things can really go awry when you don't know what's happening behind the scenes and so i always tell clients I, you're hiring me okay i work for you this is your money i'm simply telling you what i've experienced what i think is best for you but at the end of the day, it is your money. It is your decision. And of course, even if they listen to their experts, uh, their financial advisor, their tax advisor, even their attorney, there is this onslaught that can occur. And when I say can occur, 
I probably should say will occur because I, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where this hasn't happened, where someone comes into, into money very, very quickly overnight, whether it's a lottery, whether it's a lawsuit settlement, or maybe even an inheritance. And immediately other people know about it and it's friends, it's family. And I've seen even strangers knock on my client's door uh, because they've read something or they've heard something and they're looking for a handout. They're looking for some of that money. And that can create a tremendous amount of stress. And it, the money can feel almost like a burden to some people. And you may have heard the phrase, the, the, the lottery curse. Well, how could winning money and being able to help your family and friends be a curse? Well, it's really only because of this, this feeling of this burden and sometimes this guilt that I've got this money, I've got this, these resources and these other people don't. And what do I do? Can I help them? Do I help them? It can cause a lot of anxiety. Robert, when, when I'm holding a half billion dollar lottery ticket and my third cousin 12 times removed comes knocking at my door or even close relatives, as you said, it could cause a lot of stress. You know, I'd like to help them, but, you know, people are coming at me like in waves. What advice would you give them on how to navigate that? There is this wonderful word in the English language. It has two letters in it. Can you guess what it is? N-O. <laughs> you see, that's why you get paid the big bucks. That's exactly yeah, right. right. <laughs> the, the word is no. And in my book, I have a whole chapter dedicated to learning how to say no. And you know, I joke about it, we joke about it, but it's not always that easy to say no because you've, you, you know you have this money, you know you probably could help. So why would you say no? Why wouldn't you say, of course, yes, I'm happy to help. Well, I, I think there is a space and, and a time to say yes, but I will tell you right now that time is not right now. You haven't even, you don't, you don't even have the money yet. You don't even know how much money you have yet. So the big headline is $516 million. And you think to yourself, that's amazing. I have, I, if you're holding that ticket, you think to yourself, I have $516 million. And guess what? You don't have $516 million. You probably have something closer to 175, maybe 200 million. Granted, it's still a lot of money. I get that. But it's not $516 million because that 516, that's assuming you take the annuity rather than the lump sum. And that's the first decision you're going to be uh, forced to make is, do I want the annuity, the, the annual payment for, for 29 years, or do I want all my money up front? If you take the money up front, you, you get about maybe two thirds of that $516 million. So let's imagine that you do that because honestly, most people take the lump sum. They don't want the annuity. So they, they take the lump sum, but then there's still federal and state tax that they have to pay on that. And so all of a sudden you've got this big number and it starts chipping away. And so for that third cousin, half removed, whatever it was, whoever comes knocking at your door, the best thing that you can say is, well, I'm just not sure how much I can help at this time. I'm still working out the details. I'm working with my team. But as soon as I know, I will let you know. 
And what that does is it immediately puts your friends, your family sort of on notice that you're not just going to be this open bank where people can come in and out at, at their will. You're, you've got a team in place that you're talking to the team and you're getting good counsel. And then of course, once you determine how much money you have, if you can help, how much you can help, who you want to help, then of course, by all means, let them know that you're able to do that, but don't do it before it's time. So you have a, uh, a comfortable middle-class life. You live in Levittown or Fairless Hills or anywhere in Lower Bucks County. You like your friends and your neighbors. You like your job and your coworkers. Do you got to kiss all that goodbye with this kind of dough? Mm, yeah, yeah. It's a good, good question. I always counsel people who, again, come into sudden wealth that to ask themselves, how can this money improve my life? The question is not, how can this money change my life? Um, because for many of us, there are aspects of our life that we really like, that we would want to retain, that we would want to keep because it, we enjoy it. And so just because you get a, a, a lot of money coming your way doesn't mean that everything has to change. And one of the big fears for people who come into wealth overnight is that the relationships are going to change. And when I've seen that happen, that's when they call it the curse because our friends and our family, for most of us, it, it means everything to us. And the last thing that we wanna do is have money come between those relationships. So I would say, absolutely not. Those friends, the family, those ties that you have, that community that you've built, that social network that you have uh, created over the last decade or two, do everything you can to protect that because that's your anchor. That's going to ground you. And of course, then start thinking about, great, I, I, what else now can I do to improve my life as a result of having this money? Robert, I wasn't a great math student, which is why I became a journalist, I think, partly. Um, but I know that $500 million is better than $100 million if someone's going to, if I'm going to win. But I, I, I read a story you authored in Forbes, which, yeah. which, which says the best amount of money to win is $30 million, which would be like after all those taxes, you would have $30 million. Explain. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you've done your research on that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I wrote this article about what's the perfect amount of money to win. So based on my experience, I've been working with Sudden Wealth folks for over 25 years now. And everyone always thinks more is better. Uh, the more money I win, the more money I make, the better it is. Um, and, and I would argue when it comes to Sudden Wealth, especially when it comes to the lottery win, I don't think more is better. And the reason for that is if this lottery uh, was, let's call it 80 million, 75 million, we might not even be talking about it right now. And so when you have lower amounts of money, a couple of things happen. Um, one, no one really knows that you've won. If you win $50 million, it's probably not going to be written about. No one's probably going to talk about it you can sort of fly under the radar a little bit. And what that does is it provides you with anonymity, which frankly is almost everything. Because as soon as people start to understand and, uh, and know that you've won, that's where things can really just get a little chaotic. 
And so I would argue 100 million, you take the lump sum, you pay the taxes, you end up with 30 million. It's obviously a lot of money. You can, you can do some amazing things in your life. You can travel, you can buy a bigger house, do those sorts of things. But it's not so much money where you feel like that your life has completely changed. You can still do all the things that you've always wanted to do. Maybe you don't have some of the, the, the pressure or the guilt of, of saying no, because again, some people might not even realize that you've won. And if they do, you can, they can understand that you haven't won the $500 million. But Robert, when you win the amount of money you just talked about, I mean, if you invest it properly, I'm guessing you can not even have to touch the principal. Yeah, that's that's a that's a chapter in my book. You could have written it for me. That's exactly right. The the idea is with sudden wealth, this probably doesn't happen twice in someone's lifetime. You're gonna win the lot if you win the lottery, it's probably just gonna be once. And so if that's the case, how can we turn this sudden wealth event into lasting wealth? That is the goal for every single one of my clients is to take this opportunity, this this blessing and to be able to make sure that for the rest of their lives that they can take care of their family, improve uh, their own life, their communities, and, and everybody around them. And the way to do that is to make sure that you know how much money that you actually have, you've paid the tax on it, and that you live within your means. And one of the ways to do that is to, is to invest the money, to get a return, make income off of those, off of those assets, and now, if you don't want, you don't ever have to work again. And your money can create money for you. And again, you don't have to touch that principle. That money can be used to donate to charities, to help your kids, to help your grandkids, to help your community. That's, that's really the beauty with sudden wealth is it can perpetuate into this lasting wealth. So someone becomes suddenly wealthy say through an inheritance, they get it from mom and dad's estate, or they, uh, they hit the jackpot, uh, jury jackpot in a lawsuit settlement. People understand that, but Robert, how are things different when that win comes through the state lottery? How is that perceived by family and friends and complete strangers? Yeah. Wow. Really, really insightful question because I, you, you nailed it. When we receive sudden wealth, there are different forms of sudden wealth. There's the inheritance, the lawsuit, lottery. You can sell a business, stock options, Bitcoin, right? There are lots of ways to immediately come into wealth. And not all money is created equally. And I, and I write about that in the book. If, if all of us, right, the three of us on this call, we haven't experienced sudden wealth, right? We we've, we wake up every day, the alarm clock goes off, we get up, we work, we hopefully do something that we, we love and we're passionate about, but at the same time, it's work. We look forward to the weekends. This is slow, gradual wealth that we build. We know when we look at our bank account, all the sweat, blood, tears, early hours, late nights, we know what went into creating that investment account or that bank account balance. Now, if overnight, all of a sudden that bank account balance 10 X's or hundred X's, we don't feel like we've earned that money. And so that's why I say not all money is created equally. And because often if we have a lottery win, we, we don't feel like 
we're deserving. Like this is easy come, easy go. This money came in quickly. I didn't do anything. I just bought a ticket. Like that's all I did to, to earn this. And so what I've seen can happen is that we treat the money differently. Like for, for the three of us, we're not going to blow our bank account balance because we know what it took to, to build that. But if we've won that money, eh, we might spend it a little quicker. We might give it away a little easier. We might take more risk with that money because we feel like, well, I didn't, I didn't really earn it. It just came to me. So let's just, let's spend it a little quicker. Let's give it away. And so that's one of the first steps that I really work with clients on is trying to get them to appreciate this money that they have, even though they may not have earned it, this, this dollar that they have in their, in, in that they won is the same as a dollar that they've earned. And once they can start to understand that a little bit better, they start to appreciate value and treat that money a little differently. And, and people, Robert? One more time. Do you play the lottery? Do you, when Powerball jumps up to a hundred or 200, do you, plunk down a couple of bucks? It's been many, many years since I played the lottery. And I think the last time it was, I think it was the the $1.2 billion lottery. Cause yeah. I feel like, I mean, how, how cool and ironic would that be if the sudden wealth expert won the lottery? <laughs> I, I want, I want to be able to practice what I <laughs> preach. So I did play it and no, I didn't win. You know, on the flip side of Tony Braxton, there's a story about the rapper Kendrick Lamar, who came into the chips through hard work and, and his, his art, his, his music. And uh, a couple of years ago, uh, he bought his little sister, who was graduating from high school, a brand new Toyota Camry. And he was mild, uh, widely mocked on social media because that car uh, wasn't flashy enough to his critics. So I guess there are two things. First, it sounds like Kendrick Lamar uh, has a good financial foundation. It sounds like money hasn't changed him. He's the same old guy. Second, people should stop trying to spend Kendrick Lamar's money on him. And, uh, you know, when we talk about perceptions of uh, lottery wins, I guess that's a problem, right? I mean, uh, it's not just the person who wins who doesn't feel they've earned it, it's their family and friends and whoever else is around going, you know what? You're just, that was just dumb luck. You walked into a 7-Eleven and, and bought a ticket for two bucks and, and now you're you're richer than anybody I know. How about a little some of that sugar for me? I mean, it's a, it's a different experience, you know, uh, and I guess the guilt that goes along with that uh, can be pretty treacherous to, to navigate. That's a really good point, JD. And uh, and again, you uh, you you hit the nail on the head there, because even if you don't change, you win the money, and you're the same person that you were the day before you won. That doesn't mean that people around you might not change. And from what I've seen, that definitely can and does happen. That the people around you will will start to view you differently, view your actions differently. I mean, just take this innocuous example of every Friday you, you get together with your friends, you have dinner, you have a you have a beer or two. Everyone does it and, and you've been doing that for the last 10 years. And at the end of the night, everyone gets their bill and they split it up and, and everyone goes about their, their, their evening. Well, what happens if now all of a sudden you've won this lottery, 
Everyone knows you've won the lottery. You get together with your buddies uh, on that Friday night and the check comes. What do you do? Do you cover it? Do you, do you pay for it all? Do you split it up? It's, it's almost a no-win situation because I've had clients in these exact examples and some of them they said, well, of course I won. I'm going to help my friends. I'm going to, I'm going to pay for the check. And most of them, Hey, great. Fantastic. Thanks so much. But there might be one or two in the background thinking, Oh, he's, he's paying my way. I don't think so. This, he thinks he's all of that now because he's won this, this, this lottery that he can, he can pay for my way. So that's, that happens. Or the flip side is you, you think to yourself, well, I don't want to come across as I've got all this money. So let's just split up the check. And then the other half of the group thinks to themselves, what a cheapskate. Like this guy just won $500 million and he can't cover my dinner and a few drinks. It's a, it's a challenging situation. And everyone says, well, that's all right. I want to win and, and I want to experience that challenge. And I get that. That's cool. But at the same time, when it comes to your friends and your family and those relationships, you want to protect that. And that's why it's really important to have a discussion with every single family member, every single friend, understand what they're comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with, because you, you, you don't want to burn the bridges that you, that you've built over the last, you know, decades. Robert, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. It's a, a blessing and a curse uh, in terms of the strains it puts on your relationship with family and friends or, or potentially put those strains on it. it. It seems more like a curse to me. I mean, you also, uh, we talked the other day, Robert, and you were saying, you know, how uh, it can become a very lonely life because all your friends are still punching the time clock, getting up at 6 a.m. and going to work and you've quit work. Most people who win the lottery like this, they don't go into work the next day. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to like get a whole new set of friends? Are you, you know, uh, you're going to travel alone, uh, take vacations alone. Uh, it's uh, there are a lot of things people don't think about until all that money's in the bank. And uh, like I said, it could be a curse. Go ahead. You know, Robert, I have one last question for you. Uh, you know, you talked about, you know, the, you don't want to scream at the top of your lungs the minute you win all that money. Um, and uh, but there are eventually, at least in some states, you're mandated to come forward. Um, how do you feel about that? We're, you, know the, you know the hurricane that's coming from all of the, the family members and close friends and strangers. Um, and the state that you win it in may say, well, you know, we need the publicity. You know, you've got to come forward and, and, and say, I'm the winner. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I'm a bit conflicted. Um, the reason that the most of the states um, and it's 40 plus of the states require the winner uh, to be announced, they don't have to show up to the press conference, but their name has to be released. And the reason they do that is probably two. One, you, you said it, and that is they want the press. Um, every time there's a big lottery and someone wins, they, they sell more tickets. So that's the first one. The second reason that they will say is why they don't allow anonymity is to protect the, the integrity of the lottery. And so if people are winning the lottery, but no one knows who won, there's some suspicion that, well, maybe it's an inside job. Maybe, they're, maybe it's not all above board. Um, but from my perspective, from working with clients who have, who have won, who have received sudden wealth, I am a huge fan of remaining anonymous because 
not too much good comes from uh, from the whole world knowing that you've just won this. I mean, there's already an, enough pressure, um, enough decisions that have to be made. And then when you couple that with the fact that everyone in the world and everyone in your, their town and everyone in your family knows that you've won this, it, it's just an incredible amount of pressure that I don't think is uh, is helpful and I don't think is necessary. And speaking of pressure, Craig, can we see the uh, the two pictures uh, outside the, uh, there's the uh, 7-Eleven in the background, you see that, and the law office sign, and below the law office sign, hi, lottery winner, tax guy and lawyer here. So pressure on uh, whoever bought that ticket uh, already coming to bear. So Robert, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. Um, get our podcast where refined podcasts are posted. Read our columns at our websites where you will also find our great award-winning local content from some really terrific uh, journalists. But yeah, why not subscribe? It's only a buck through next August and you'll be supporting local journalism. Um, and it won't break the bank. A buck, come on. You know, stick a crowbar in that wallet and, and pull out a buck. I'm JD. I'm Phil. For all of us here in the virtual newsroom at the Bucks County Courier Times, Intel, and all our newspapers, thanks for watching, thanks for listening, but especially thanks for reading. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.